welcome back, Ag Watchers, to another episode. Uh, we've got a, a friend of the podcast, Nathan Carroll from Clear Grain On. We thought it would, uh, after last week's uh, podcast, or actually this week's podcast with Simon, talking about the change of spending patterns, you know, people moving more to Amazon and doing their online calls order. We thought, well, that's really interesting. But how is that changing in the ag space? So we thought we'd do a bit of a series of different, you know, changes to the way things in ag are transacting from, from grains, which clear grain do, to, uh, to, to machinery and also to, to, to livestock. Nathan, thanks for coming along. Tell us who are you, for, for those who don't know. Uh, well, thanks for having me. Thanks for the invitation. Um, probably the, I always say, you only really need to know two things about me. And um, the first one is I grew up in Lake King, Western Australia. So I'm a farm boy, mixed farming background there. Uh, if you don't, for many of the listeners won't know where that is, that's 500 k's southeast of Perth in Western Australia. We've, uh, you know, one of our farms bordered the rub proof fence to give you an idea. Um, Great country, great place to grow up. And the second thing is and my wife. Not far from uh, from Lake Grace, where Nat Fife is from. You know, the... Yeah, I'd like to claim that um, we overlapped in our football, but unfortunately we're still 120 k's apart. <laughs> so that's the sort of sparseness in, in Western Australia. But, um, you know, that, and I say that because it did shape me uh, a lot. You know, it is a commute, small community the more you put into it the more you get out and it was a great place to grow up and and live uh and the second thing is my wife's from Cojanup uh in western australia as well and uh but more importantly she's a neuropsychologist um so if you don't know what that is the best way i can describe it is she basically assesses decision making capacity in people so andrew and matt hopefully that gives me a little bit of credibility um, as we launch into into this discussion, well, that's, that's, um, that's handy. You decided that's that's handy because my wife's a shrink, <laughs> and, and and she always says that I should avoid Matt. Well, and you, I was going to say you've decided to come on the podcast, Nathan. So um, that was that a good decision. Prob- no, I was going to say more decision making there, right there. Yeah. yeah so um, so you know, roots, um, rural. Uh, Western Australia, um, and my university was, I did economics um, and ag science double degree, and I really had a passion for markets, um, born from that. I had a couple of good lecturers in there, uh, and I came out of that and went into a consulting business uh, that was really building itself on, um, on the back of, you know, deregulation in the wheat industry was around the corner in Australia. So there was a lot of growers that were uncertain with how to deal with that. Um, and I mean, that was a great first job for me. Um, good people, good learnings. Uh, we then, myself and my now wife, you know, located to Melbourne uh, and I traded for a domestic um, feeder over there. Um, 
and that was excellent like the learnings you know on managing risk and execution and logistics was a huge and the feed market just generally you know relative values I mean it's a great industry to be a part of uh, and then I ended up working for the NZX who run the New Zealand Stock Exchange um, and they pro farmer yeah so they they had a, a conglomerate of businesses here being pro farmer Australian crop forecasters and clear grain exchange um, and there was a heap of learnings in that more about you know how to run an independent market um, and make sure it is operating in the best interests of all participants to get that true price discovery uh, so there's huge learnings there and some, again some really good people um, and yeah and then we ended up taking the plunge into uh, purchasing Clear Grain Exchange and um, now Elders Limited are a 30% shareholder of the business and and basically I have no social life since then. Um, Andrew and Matt, like it's it's work and family um, mostly um, and I try and have a kick of football in veterans now uh, whenever I can and have a few beers. So, so, so Nathan, Nathan I've, I've known you through, I reckon I've known you for all of your all of your career actually because this is this is a good thing matt this is uh today or the day this goes out which is tomorrow is exactly 11 years ago today i was i think i was stuck in dubai airport traveling to australia for the first time when i when i emigrated as a as a as a migrant worker to australia and so i know i knew you quite well nathan from obviously i worked alongside one of your pals smokes Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to, to buy a lot of grain from, from your clients. And it's been a, a good 11 years. And so I don't believe you've not got a social life. So in terms of that, you, you've obviously, a bit like me and a bit like Matt, you've had a bit of a varied background. You know, all, all in ag. But, you know, again, you said like the feed side is different. You, you, in the consulting side, is different. You know, you're market ag, so consulting with individual growers then you've obviously moved into you know taking the plunge and 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 buying the stake in in clear grain what sort of what what drove you to do that why why did you why did you want that because because i remember this is you probably don't know how do i mention this to you the reason i'm here doing what i'm doing is because of clear right because when i was i was working as a grain merchant at the time for for cargo back in mid 2010s i looked at clear and i thought to myself how long is my job going to be there you know why are people going to form me to sell grain when they can just put it on an exchange so so what made you do that jump yes i think um i think i'll say there's throughout my career you know when i was consulting i thought i was going to be doing that you know um and then when I was trading, I thought I was, you know, you know, I really enjoyed that, and I thought I'd I'd keep growing in that trading space. Um, and so I think of, you know, I think when you're working, you sort of go wholeheartedly into it, um, and you get a lot of learnings. And as I say, one thing I've always looked for in a job is good mentors and people around you, you know, a good learning environment. Um, I've always enjoyed the analytics and understanding markets, which I know you both have a passion for. 
Um, and I, and, so I've, I've, also, always... and I've, I've also been a big mentor for Matt as well. <laughs> so I was just going to say, Nathan, like when he was talking about it's clear Graham's reason why he's in the game. I'm thinking now I know who to blame for bloody the sufferings here. Um, you know, it's it's clear Graham's fault that I've had to be um, shacked up with Andrew Whitelaw in, in looking at markets. It's two, it's two people's yeah, fault. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. It's two people's <laughs> fault. It's it's clear grain for making me decide that what I was doing wasn't what I was interested in. And Trent Smoker's fault for for giving me my first job in Australia. And, and I remind him that every time I see him. And I think he regrets it every time. <laughs> but anyway, so, yeah. So just to, you know, I think I often think we're really fortunate because I love what we do now and I think everybody that works for us, you know, there is an underlying passion for what we're trying to do in the grain market. Um, what I'd say to your comment is, you know, we t- we're big believers that there is a role for everyone in the, um, in the grain market. Um, you know, the exchange is a platform for, uh, sellers, buyers, agents, uh, storage providers of, of grain to get value out of. Um, you know, it helps uh, sellers can list their grain at the price they want. Every buyer in the market can see it and try and buy it. So you, And by doing that, you're making the buyer's job easier to locate grain and try and purchase it. Um, you know, and... Uh, I think the big part there is there's a there's quite a bit of inefficiency in the grain market still, and that's what an exchange tries to do is create a more efficient marketplace. Essentially, help buyers find sellers and sellers find buyers. That's it. And you know, I think agents play a really important role um, in providing good advice and good market intel and understanding their customer, what their risk profile is. Um, Etc., and what they're comfortable doing, understanding their business and their equity levels, etc., um, to give them sound advice and engage. Uh, we're just an exchange, you know, and buyers, whether that's a field team on behalf of buyers, you know, they're providing critical information back to on the ground information back to their trading houses. So there's a role in it for everybody, but, but clear, is my view. But clear is is not to you it doesn't really matter what the price is oh it's nice it's nice for the price to be good let's let's be honest it's nice growers get a good price that's that's nice but for you guys you're no different to a cme or an asx you're just uh you know you're you're like the tinder of of grain putting yeah we're an exchange and you know and i think the nzx origins of the business or background of the business is really we often refer to that because that's the makeup of our business. You know, if the best analogy I can make of what we do, you know, what does Clear Grain Exchange do? It operates like a stock market. Um, you know, we're not buyers, we're not sellers, we're not consultants, we're not storage providers. We're an in, independent exchange. We're a technology business. That's it. I employ software. From a late king boy, uh, you know, growing up, now I employ software engineers and we build technology that ultimately helps buyers find sellers, sellers find buyers and uh, create more efficient markets and that price discovery. And, you know, I think it takes a lot of work to build that, um, to build that trust and 
make people feel comfortable in how to use it and how to get value out of the exchange. And we know we're a piece of the market. You know, that's we just want to be making sure that everybody is able to get value out of it. Because if we create more efficient markets, there is more value in it for everybody. Does that make sense? There's, there's value on all sides of the market. You, you make a good, a good point there, Nathan. Um, but one thing that strikes me as curious, uh, uh, you know, and I agree what you're saying, that there's a role for everyone in, in the sector, right? But I just, the, an analogy before that Andrew was saying about, um, you know, in the equity side or, or the ASX type model, I'm old enough, uh, looking at my grey hair and your lack of grey hair and Andrew's lack of grey hair, I'm old enough to remember. And indeed, when, when before, like the electronic system in the ASX, there was something called an open outcry system um, where the stock exchange was run with a chalkboard. I actually did work experience there as a year 10 at the, at the old um, ASX in Melbourne. On yeah, but that was in the 1920s, Matt. <laughs> Just before the depression. No, so I did that work, right? And then, and then I spent a lot of time in my initial part of my career in um, financial markets, mainly in currencies. But, um, and again, when I first went in there, it was very much what they used to call, it wasn't quite open outcry, but it was, you know, brokers and, 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 and telephone calls. And it was a very much a, a network thing. And I was there as the electronic dealing came in uh, for, for, for currencies as well. And both of those took some time to, to penetrate and, 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 you know, kind of change the dynamic of the market, which is what we're kind of seeing with, with what Cleargrain's been doing and other platforms in other, you know, livestock or, or um, farm machinery fields. But, but if you look at those markets now, and equity is a good point if you think back to where, how people used to use stockbrokers in the old days. They're still around stockbrokers, but the vast majority of the volume is done just via the electronic but, stuff and, you know, by, and the roles changed, you know, <clears throat> the roles changed totally. So, you know, you're saying there's a role for these, these participants, but can you see though that maybe in another 10 or 15 years time that, that the, you know, the, the kind of volumes might be going more and more to these, to these electronic platforms and the role of what, is done by the other participants becomes a different role to a degree. Yeah, I think, um, you know, to, I can just talk to our experience. So um, approximately 30 to 40% of the grain that is um, sold through the exchange now is offered up by agents. So the reality is, and you know, a consultant or a broker or a, an agent I mean, their objective is to act in the best interests of their client. Um, and as I say, um, you know, and again, it's good having experience directly in that role and to understand the value that they provide and, um, you know, understanding a profitable price for a grower, understanding the equity position, understanding the personality of that particular grower. Um, and also doing things like, Andrew, you'd be familiar with, you know, getting load allocation right, right? Yeah. Like I've got a number of co-tracks with different spreads and making sure you're not leaving money on the table. Like there's a lot of elements to, um, to service growers that aren't necessarily just on finding a buyer, which is what the exchange tries to help with. So... Right. Well, I'm, I'm I'm old enough to remember, Matt. I can I can I can talk about all the the old days, you know, when we used to send out the bid sheets. Um, I remember we used to send out the bid sheets in the UK as well, exactly the same way. And early days in Australia, it was was by fax. 
and then you'd be on the phone all day you know talking to to various growers and the grower would phone you up and then he'd phone 10 other people and the consultants slowly took that space over um but obviously we've we've clear by the sounds of it it allows the agent to actually not have to do that anymore either but he can he can sort of he or she sorry can spend that time concentrating on value adding which i think is i think is the important bit that's dead right. So, you know, how do we provide more value to growers? You know, the, you know, if I was to explain it in the most simplest terms, right now, grower, you know, Timmy Cattle might sell his grain at $350 a tonne today and his next-door neighbour might be selling the same grain at $355 a tonne at the same time. They just don't know it. Like they don't know that each, and that's sort of what's going on in the market at the moment. So, and again, well, this bit, is it's a it's a bit like I I went to buy a, a Hilux a couple of years ago, and I was told, you know, one price, and then my friend was told another price, and it was just down to a your haggling ability, and uh, you know the cut of your jib, so to speak. So. So that you're right, but but I think, and the other thing to think about as well is the consultant. To me, it's never been that. I've never understood the obsession in Australia with getting the extra dollar. Like on a particular day, you know, Glencore's at three hundred one, Cargo's at three hundred, you know, Jimmy down the roads at you know three hundred and ten, or or whatever. But it's to me, it's always been more. I've been more interested and I don't really care about who has the best price on a particular day. To me, my focus and my interest is always being on when is the right day to sell. Like if it's 302 versus 301 and that's what we're talking about, that's what we're arguing about. Well, I don't really care about that. Like necessarily, I'm more thinking, well, is it going to be 350 the next week or is it going to be 250 the next week? That's where the grower has more to lose as opposed to what is the best bid on a particular day. You know, it's, it's understanding through. And that's where I think, well, Matt and I, we probably look to provide information as a value add to the industry on, on what the trends are. But that's, that's just my sort of view. And that's where consultants can come in. You know, your, your Fermancos, your Marker Ags to, to provide that guidance. And, and, you, and you made a good point about those consultants understand the individual grower that they're dealing with and and like a wife when it comes to decision making <laughs> that, that but that decision making is is also changed by their personality with when it comes to things like risk and when it comes to things like matt will have a very different decision making skill when it comes to trading with his risk appetite you know, Matt is you know a boomer in his in his late sixties, so he so he's going to have a more risk averse approach because you know he's coming up to retirement in the next two or three years, you know, at his age. Whereas I'm you know a young early thirties, you know, chap who's got a bit more, you know, a bit, maybe a bit more risk appetite because I'm I've got a lot longer to retirement compared to Matt. And, and the same with yourself, Nathan. You you can you you can buy clear. But anyway, that's that's just just my point on, on you're where you're exaggerating the age a little bit, Andrew. I think the listeners know by now you're a bit prone to exaggeration, but 
You might not be wrong. I might be close to retirement through good investment decisions uh, rather than age. I think perhaps. it's age. I think I think you start to lose it, Matt. But ultimately, um, on you know, I think this is a nice discussion. the The reality is, you know, Clear Grant Exchange is a very simple business. Um, it helps buyers find sellers, sellers find buyers, and I'm a, tr- a big believer in the value that that generates for everybody makes the job of buyers easier to find grain in locations that they can execute more efficiently than what they might otherwise be able to find. And it helps sellers and their agents, you know, find um, or offer grain to all buyers. Because, you know, when I was trading, often there'd be differences in price between what was trading in the trade-to-trade market versus what was trading in the grower-to-trade market. And then, as I say, in the grower market to the buyer next door neighbors would be selling at different prices you know for the same commodity so i think there's a lot of advantages in and you know this is why we end up with an asx type model for equities because um people want to know well what is the price so if we can create an exchange that allows buyers and sellers to transact more efficiently and the other part is securely Andrew Matt you know um, and I think that's a big part as well so you know all parties are anonymous Um, if grain trades the seller retains title until they're paid the buyer retains title of funds until they receive the grain so it just creates a lot more credibility and security and certainty for all parties around that, that makes them more willing to engage with all the parties. So, so and that, that has always been a big, a big point of in, in recent years, in the East Coast more so than the West Coast, if we're honest, there's been the odd uh, insolvency. Uh, some, some that were surprises and some that you could see coming, you know, 20 miles away. And, and clear, obviously, with you retaining title, the, the grower effectively should always get paid has it ever been a time when there's actually been an issue where you have where clear has actually protected the grower you know where if they'd done it without using clear they wouldn't have got paid yeah so um i could count on one hand now the number of times that a so the number of times that a transaction um you know, basically the buyers either requested um, an extension of payment terms uh, and at that time the, the grower has the opportunity to say, well, they're in default, I'll take my grain back or I'm happy to extend payment terms. Um, but the grower will never, or the seller, whether it be a trader or a grower, will never lose title before they receive payment. So that's just... The way it is. So, uh, to your, has there been examples where it's actually protected the grower? I'm sure there has, Andrew, but we're not privy to them, I suppose, yeah. because ultimately we've got the ultimate protection. I mean, there's been a lot of discussion in the industry in the past around shortening payment terms as a way of protecting grower on counterparty yeah. risk. And I'm, I'm, you know, not, some, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. Well, something I've always said is your counterparty risk there is actually the same because you're still transferring title. And then waiting for payment. So yes, your your risk is the same. The length of time that you risk is hopefully shorter, but your overall risk is the same. The only way to really protect yourself 
obviously there's insurances as well. Um, so then you've got the admin involved in that and, and they're effective by the way, but the admin involved in that and often I think it's 90% coverage and the cost. But, you know, the, the only way to truly protect yourself and this is why it's important, this is why every exchange has a clearing function, you know, or a secure settlement function is to make sure that all counterparties are protected in the transaction. So the only way to pure, you know, really um, protect against counterparty risk is to not hand over title until you get the, the money. Um, are there um, are there kind of other like are there barriers you see to the kind of continued growth now? Do you think that the current setup now, and I'm not talking just say ClearGrain, but you know the other products in the space, or even indeed you know other online platforms selling other commodities. Do you see that um, you know the the kind of general environment is is you know near perfect now, or are there are there other kind of little barrel hiccups that you could perceive to, to be eliminated would make it even more efficient, or or, or you know increase this you know the kind of um, distribution of the product? Um, anything, any kind of glaring ones in your mind, Nathan, that, that you think could kind of help assist? Um, yeah, so I think there's. There's two parts to that answer um, for me. The first one is um, the behavioural change that a product like Clear Grain Exchange is providing. So typically, you know, growers um, and their and their agents often, you know, whilst they'll have price targets in place in their mind, they generally are reactive to what the market, what the buyer is telling them that the that the value the grain is on the day say wait for a bid to come out and then if it's at that a price that is around my target i'll then look to engage otherwise i'll sit aside you know so i'm targeting 320 market is at 300 i won't engage market you know bids comes out at 310 i won't engage okay bids now at 320 now i'll engage and i'll haggle with the three or four or five buyers that i typically deal with to try and get an extra few dollars out of the market. Whereas, you know, the exchange is sort of saying, hey, if the bid's at 300, but you're a seller at 320, get it out there and tell the market that you're a seller at 320 and you're anonymous in that. And there's, um, you know, you've got the protections around that. If it does trade, that you, you don't lose title till you get paid. Um, but that's still a big step in a behavioural change for a lot of people because they go, oh, hang on, what happens if I'm 320? I could have got 322, which well, comes want, a little bit back to, I, to I your to, point, Andrew. I, I want to talk about behavioural change as well because my experience has been slightly different in terms of your experience was, oh, it's $300. We set a target when it gets to 320, then we start negotiating around it. What has happened in my experiences the markets are 300, the growers willing to sell at 310. And then when it gets to 310, the target changes again. Mm. So it becomes happy to sell at 310 or actually gets to 310, I'm going to sell at 320. And then when it gets to 320, it's not a case of, oh, we'll start selling, we'll haggle. The target becomes 350. And, and I remember one of my first memories in the industry in Australia was 2010 when we had the big drought in WA. And I don't know if you remember, Nathan, but noodle wheat went through the roof, yeah? It was just going absolutely crazy. So the pairs, like, I know a particular guy and 
he'd, he'd phone up and say, what's the price? And I'd say, what's this? He says, oh, no, I think it's going to go up. And so each day it went up and it, it did what he wanted. But then it got to like 512. And I said, mate, this is good bloody price. Like, fundamentally, this is, this is too high. And he says, oh, no, my target's now 600. And then the next day, or within the next couple of days, it was 480. Then it was 450 because the Koreans had changed the noodle blend. And, and it's that sort of, that's the thing that I worry most about in ag markets all the time. And I worry about it most just now, not so up at night sleeping, I can't get to sleep about it or anything, but when people get the confirmation bias that the market is only going to go one way, you know, canola is going to go 1100. And, and so by being that structured and saying, look, I'm profitable, I'm locking in margin at, at 320 or 350, I might as well tip a bit in and, and if somebody meets it, so be it. Yeah, in saying that, you know, offers want to be managed, you know, the offer price, so because the market can change. And, hey, this is, again, where good information, good advice can help you. Like From our point of view, we want a sophisticated offer in the market. Um, the more information, the more intel they have around setting that price is a good thing, whether that be around their farming operation, whether that be around market intel or whatever's driving that. The um, The... The part that we often find, though, and, and there's ways to manage that. So if you've got a 1,000 tonne to sell, split it up into 250-tonne lots and step it up in the market, you know, or start higher if you're a bit unsure. Like if your real sales price is 320, um, put it up at 330 if you like. You know, you can always bring your offer lower if you can see a bid, but at least it's in the market. And, it's, and by having the grain in the market on offer, it buyers can see it and start crunching their numbers and de-risking their own profile of buying that grain, executing it through the supply chain and making some money through it because that's ultimately, like everyone's commercial, everybody needs to survive here. So it, what it does is it creates demand for your grain and often what we find is the public bid might be at 300 but we're trading on the exchange at 310 and 315. You know, and so had those growers or agents not had their grain up at 310 or 315, we may never have known that that price was available in the market. Does that make sense? I was on mute there. What time does the exchange open in the morning? Uh, yeah, so you can only trade within market open hours, say 10 o'clock in the morning, Australian Eastern Standard Time, and now it closes 8.30 at night. But you've got you've got time in the morning. Like let, let's look at the last couple of days, yeah. Like some some pretty big swings. The market can go up fifteen dollars for argument's sake, yeah. Mm. Uh, which can mean that the technical price should be higher, for instance, than what you've put an offer out there. That, but you've got time to wake up in the morning to to go on to you know you know Twitter and see what the, the price has done and go to your favorite market analysts, read what they've got to say, and then you can say right. Actually, I've got uh, an offer out there at 320, but the market might go to 325, 330, just based on the overnights. So you do have an opportunity to, to get in there before your price gets sniped by a buyer who sees it as a you know bargain basement sort of offer. So you do have to be active, especially when you're close to the market. Yeah, and again, it's up to <clears throat> the individuals how they want to manage that. So you know, one thing I'd say there is. Um, yeah, you can manage your offer 24-7. Um, you can only trade within market hours. Um, 
but you know, often people go, I wish you know, you only know it's just, I wish I sold on that peak, or you only know it's a peak it after the gone. event because it goes up and down. Um, but and the other thing is, like, often we find you know, the public bid say a big movement happens in Chicago and the Aussie dollar, so say in the morning, uh, TM. Uh, putting something out saying, oh, the market's up $10 a tonne overnight on Chicago Board of Trade. So the public bid might have, the day before, might have been at $300 a tonne. So you're thinking, your offer was at $310, let's say. Um, so you're thinking, okay, the market might, you know, trade at a $310 or $315. Often the, the, we'll see trades on the exchange happen Early in the morning when buyers are scrambling to, you know, that might be where the peak of the demand is. And they're bidding over themselves to get hold of the grain. And it, and by the way, your offer can always trade up to the highest bid. So often an offer, your offer might be at 310. It trades at 315 because a number of buyers have been trying to get hold of that grain. And then by the time all the public bids are out in the afternoon, they've only moved up to a 305. And this is where, you know, I think the market, you know, and this is every market, you know, often we find oh, my biggest concern would be if I sell at 300 today, but there was a 305 possible on the day. Sellers um, remorse. But, but that might be in the, what, when is that possible through the day? The market moves throughout the day often. So, look, this is all just as the market keeps maturing, you know, and back to your first-hand experience, Matt, in your equities, you know, you'll see that's all very typical, right? Um, selling grain can be emotional. It's hard because it is so transparent. I sold at 300, now it's at 320. I sold at 300 a week ago, now it's at 320. I should have held it. And there's different strategies that people implement to help manage that profitable price, spreading out the sales, starting a bit higher, um, getting advice to help manage that. You know, and that's just a normal market function as we go. So for us, it's, um, and we've spent a lot of time on this now, like the that's the behavioural change right back to your question, Matt, around, you know, growth and what you see. So we've spent a fair bit of time about my first answer, which is on the behaviour stuff. The second part to how I'd answer that is I think there can be a lot more improvement in connectivity across the industry. So and I'm talking technical connectivity. I mean, if you think about our industry now, um, so uh, let's say a broker sells grain to a buyer, whatever the mechanism is, buyer issues a contract on that broker then, manu so they're manually inputting the contract. That First of all, that's a verbally binding contract. So a thousand tonne, 300 bucks a tonne, that's 300 grand worth verbally binding over the phone um, buyer then manually is inputting that at their end sending it to the broker and the grower the broker is then manually inputting the same information into a broker note um, sending that around to all parties then either the grower or the broker is logging in to their bulk handling system and instigating a tra title transfer and then they put it as part of that process they put in you know 127.26 ton oh hang on that should have been 127.16 ton and the transfer has been done so 
there's a lot of room for human error in all of that. And there's a lot of inefficiencies for everyone. And I think, you know, technology, like we've already proven technology can solve that. And we do have a number of integrations with another business or even at the, the broad side, you know, price discovery platform. So a good one is last year we launched with Grain Market who provide a good price discovery service through Western Australia. And I think a number of parties use it in South Australia as well. So collecting bids and contracts around the place. Um, and, you know, last year, our bids and trades on our platform, if the consultants are using that as a method to manage their contracts and price discovery, then that's something that the exchange should be integrating with. So they're getting live feeds of prices from our exchange as part of that. Because the last thing we want is a, is a grower going to a price discovery service you know, thinking the price is at 310 when it's trading at 315 or 320 on the open exchange. But that's, and, that's the difference, though, between a bid, a public bid versus a traded bid. And that's always been the, the question. We, we have, the, in the past and, and at present, we've advised a lot of different people, whether they're buyers or whether they're sellers. And, and, and the question is, well, it's not real. A bid's not real. It's it's only the price that that, it, that is out there. It's not necessarily what's traded. Whereas on on uh, on clear, you've actually got access to a transparent, you know, exp a transparent price and signal of what is actually traded. It's not just just like the bid. I think um, <clears throat> we're talking about that whole behavioural element to the market as being a potential barrier. It made me think about and, and going back to that equity and currency trading background. And looking at you know professional traders in the game, particularly in the currency market, which is a, a 24 market and probably the biggest market in the world, I think, in terms of volume of turnovers. Um, yeah, you hardly ever were seeing those professionals hitting the tops and the bottoms of the market too. So that idea of learning how to manage the way in which you transact, irrespective of the commodity, whether it's you know having clear de defined levels that you're going to engage with the market. And and being consistent and disciplined and sticking to those and you know uh, you know that whole that whole process has a real um, technical ability around it, but it made me think is is one of the barriers in that behavioural side potentially educating the user in in those kind of knowledge or that knowledge around this is how you this is how you get the best outcomes and it's not about picking the top and the bottom it's it's about understanding the best systems. Uh, that you can use to to kind of achieve the the best average prices over time, you know, and 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 actually, I sort of I sort of liking like I, a lot of farmers quite often approach and say, how should I sell my grain? I want a strategy that works every single year, and you sort of say there is no one size fits all, and I guess like what you're saying there is is the same. Like you're almost talking about running your own mini pool. Uh not, not necessarily. I'm actually, I mean, maybe that's an aspect to it, but I'm also thinking about almost like an educational type role where where you're actually giving, if you're going to have people that are interacting more directly with the market via a platform, you know, like what, what ClearGrain can offer, and they're doing it on a regular basis, you know, and coming in and out of the market regularly like that, not just coming and saying, right, I'm going to sell it all on this day for this price and that's it, I'll walk away and worry about what's happening on farm now. But if you're going to kind of have this staged approach where you're trying to 
get the best out of it um, or as best you can, but not necessarily always the top of the market. I think you need to have a few skills around how you go about interacting with the market, you know, and that, inv that includes, I'm thinking back, Andrew, to the, the, um, the module we produced for grain producers South Australia about that whole, you know, no, the knowledge of all the factors that can influence what drives price, but then also how do you now interact with the market as well, or, or what are strategies to, to not get the, it's almost like a batting average to a degree. You're gonna not always pick the tops and the bottoms, but you, through, your, through your practice, through your increase to your skill set, your betting average improves over time. You know, well, I guess um, look, it is more simple, yeah. And sorry, Nathan, I'm just buttoning in here. I'm not, I'm not answering for you, but the uh, when I first came to Australia, the biggest thing that surprised me was the volume that farmers would sell all at once. You know, I come from a place where I'd speak to a farmer, he'd phone me every day and sell me 29 tons or 27.5 tons every single day. And then I come to Australia and you've got, you know, Jimmy who phones up and says, oh, I'll do two and a half thousand tons. Uh, I'm producing 10,000 this year. So he's only going to do four contracts for the whole year. And you see, and at my own point of view, I was, I was more curious, like, why are you selling such big parcels? And he said, oh, it's just too much paperwork to sell any other way. And, and I guess like it I sort of took me back when I've got guys in the UK who've got equally as much paperwork, but they only sell it you know, sometimes, you know, wow, 100 tons that guy sold. Bloody hell. He must be a big roller. So, so that paperwork point is what I'm talking about there with that connectivity across the industry. I mean, you know, that should all be digitised. Or there's potential for that to be digitised and for the whole industry just to be more efficient. Like, you know, say if I've got a 1,000 tonne, it doesn't bother me if I'm selling it in 100 tonne lots because it's seamless. You know, um, the contracting happens, it updates my um, position management system, the transfer can happen automatically. There's no reason any of that can't happen. And in fact, it does happen um, now and has done in the past um, with us. So that's something that we want to keep building out. Um, in terms of what you were talking about there, Matt, in terms of that education piece, so one thing we're really clear on at Clear Grain Exchange is who we are and also who we're not. So we run an independent electronic exchange. So our education piece is um, how to get value out of the exchange, so put the offer up. Now, what that offer price is, is completely up to the user or whether they want to split it up into five parcels or whether they want to manage a sales program over 12 months or three months, you know, that's where the advisor comes in. That's where all the grower in their own right are happy to make those decisions uh, or information services like yourself. Um, you know, the exchange's um, role in that is to provide an efficient platform to get the, get the, discover the truth price for that. Like what is full value for grant? Is that 310 or is it 300? And, you know, and that's really the role um, of the exchange. And as part of that, what we do, what the, the team does is better disseminate the pricing information. You know, there's bids in the market at this. There's um, offers in the market at this. You know, making sure that buyers are looking at offers that they might be interested in, educating buyers on using the exchange, 
educating sellers and their agents on using the exchange and further developing it. I mean, well, I, you know, I'm sort of talking like it is a, it is a simple business model that we provide, but the technology, obviously there's a lot of technology sitting behind it. Um, and, you know, I think the, the way we operate an exchange, you know, there's a certain um, principles that need to be bespoke and independence is so critical to running an efficient exchange. You can't have any bias, inherent biases in there or conflicts. And that's, as I say, why we're not a buyer, a seller, a trader, a pool operator. You know, it's a pure, we're a pure exchange. That's what we do, an electronic platform. And we'll keep building that out and making improve. Um, we think it works pretty well for, you know, most of what we do now is grown in warehouse. Um, but, you know, there can be a better, we, the forward market is growing for us now. There can be a better offering there that we could do. Um, and, you know, X farm delivered markets is obviously something that, a lot of growers keep asking us for, you know, like this exchange, I'd love to be able to sell my grain that I store on farm. So there's a lot of stuff we need to keep improving on. Also, just the way they interact with it day to day, you know, people interact with it. APIs with other technology platforms, like I mentioned, you know, one example there in grain market, there's a lot more there to establish connectivity. So there's a heap of work, guys. Like, And, you know, Andrew, you started off this conversation about saying you came to Australia 11 years ago, I think it was, you know, and into the grain industry. I mean, how much has the grain industry changed since then? And think about it another 10 years. You know, and I think that's the exciting part. We all get to play a role in that, you know, and I, and I think there's so many more efficiencies and gains to be made that will benefit the whole industry. And that's what, you know, that's what a, an efficient market does. Look, we, we, we started our career roughly the same time, Nathan, and that was a time when, well, I came off over afterwards, but you had deregulation, you know, especially in WA, most of the grain was going into a pool. How much grain goes in a pool now? Not much. There, there wasn't a whole, there was, it, it was an industry in its infancy, really. We, we, we're 12, 13 years into a deregulated market. And, and I think you are right. It's, We've, we've got the fact that we're, we're growing as a market, but we're also new technologies and new ideas and new ways of looking at things are, are coming into it. Like I, I, I was always, always concerned when there's, 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 there's almost an information overload and, and, and there is, there's, there's access to so much information, so much data. Um, and there's a plug for us, Matt, but you need somebody to actually sort of, turn that data into something that you can actually use like usable you know market sound bites that are quick and and and, and snappy but like i think look if you think about the next 10 years like we're going to go through more more changes probably probably not as much as the last 12 months in in, in a lot of things but we're going to see step change in the way people operate and look and that's why you know i think more online as as farmers get larger they, they will switch to, you know, getting people in to do it. And I think that will probably be that they'll use an agent, they'll use a broker who will then go through potentially a platform like yours or, or someone else's. It's, uh, just makes it easier, doesn't it? And that's all we're looking for is a, an easy life. 
Yeah, I don't know if that exists, unfortunately. I think we're looking for a motivated life. I think as long as you're enjoying what you're doing, and I can see you guys obviously enjoy that, then you don't mind putting in the hours, you know, and there is something to that. And I think it is it is often challenging finding something that you're really, really motivated by. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, for I'm not sure what demographic you guys might be able to tell me your listeners are, but, you know, I imagine there's a lot of young people going into agriculture and all it says there's give, so much potential. I can, give you yeah. some, I can give you some stats if you want, mate. Yeah, go for it. We are, as of this morning, we are the fourth most popular podcast in Australia. Un- under, wow. okay, I'm a stats man, so I'm going to have to explain that under the marketing category. Uh, we've just been knocked out of the most pop, the top 100 most popular in Hungary. Uh, but we are made it into the top 100 from most popular podcasts in Romania. So, so that's your, that's, that's, that's your target market. But the reality is that the, the market that people listen to is, is, is quite, quite spread. You know, we've got my mum, we've got Matt's mum. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Some of my wife's family, <laughs> oh, wife's family back in Hungary. I'll have to get to a mate to, um, to get us back up in the charts there. I'm a bit disappointed they haven't continued listening to us. Uh, but no, it's, it's mixed. And, and I think, look, the reality is the demographics, I think there is some stats somewhere on demographics, but it's it's fairly wide and fairly spread. But I still think there's, anecdotally, I still think there's more interest in markets from that 30 to 50-year-old generation than there is in the under 30s. You know, when we, Matt and I do a lot of lectures and stuff at different unis over the years. And there's a bit of a, a glaze effect when you start talking about markets you know it's a bit of a oh there's a cloud outside that looks nice uh, because there's not a huge interest in markets so and what we're aiming to do is is a bit like you we, we consider ourselves to be a pure analyst in that we try and strip out the bias neither of us are from farming backgrounds traditionally and so we look to take the data and and create you know, a picture of it so that farmers can use it or, or other people. Like, it's nice to talk about how the market's going up. And, and somebody called me Santa Claus the other day because we kept giving them good information on grain pricing. But they're going to call me an absolute dickhead in a year's time when all the information I put out is going to be about how the market falls. And that is what it is. You know, market falls, market rises. But we're all, we're all clearly big fans of, of well-functioning and efficient markets. We, you know, we obviously believe is that most of the time the market system um, does what it's there to do is, is to distribute resources effectively and efficiently. And, and so whether it's you guys building a platform that, that allows that ex, you know, the transparency and the facilitates easy trade and, 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 and that kind of aspect of whether it's guys like us um, distilling the, the data into you know, usable things that people can then make good decisions with and, in, and interact with the market, it's all we're all we're all there trying to make the market operate as efficiently as possible, and you know, and and that's for both sides, whether you're a buyer or a seller, and irrespective of the commodity. And and, know, so. and looking at it, like I, like I, you know, in terms of me, what I'd like to see from Clear is more and more. I know I know that the on-farm thing is is really important, but I think as well as that is having 
the ability to trade further into the future. And that's not a clear thing. That requires the actual traders to be willing to, you know, manage their risk. But the ability to, you know, at the moment, we're in August and I don't really care all that much about the coming harvest. Oh, it's interesting, but prices are probably going to be quite strong. You know, you know, the, the, the factors are there. Growers have had plenty of opportunities in the last six months to, you know, lock away a good price, but I'm more interested in next season, you know, 22, 23, because if you can start to sort of, you know, with that forward curve and you can take advantage of all of that, that's what I want to see growers being able to do is, you know, kick the can down the road that little bit further. So, and it's good. You, you can, I can see there's a, you know, you do have forward markets in there, which are, which are good, but it'd be good to see that extended out beyond the year, but you can offer that. You, you can you, you can offer the ability for for a trader to put out a price for 2030. At the end of the day, it's still got to be the buyer who decides if they're willing to, hmm. you know, publish a price. Yeah, it it all starts with um with people offering and or bidding. You know, that's what that's you know. Ultimately, you talk about framing a market and 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 guys that comes back to that behavioural change. Um, if you build it, they will come. Yeah, well, that's sort of that's something we try and avoid. In that, we like to we like to have a culture internally that's listening to our users, and then improving on that. Like, and we're lucky. And by the way, guys, I'm not the founders of you know Clear Grain Exchange. Like, we I bought the business, so we inherited um, you know a lot of the a lot of thinking in there as part of that when we made that purchase and then we've pivoted it tried to simplify it and then obviously build upon that from there so um you know i'm really fortunate like we you know there's been a lot of smart people in clear grain exchanges journey um it's not it's not exactly new albeit that i always say four years ago you know i might be standing in a room full of growers and if I ask people, you know, who clear grain exchange is, probably 25% to a third of them would put their hand up. Whereas now that's probably 50 to two thirds or three quarters of the room will put their hand up. And then I always follow that question up with who feels they know how to get value out of the exchange. Um, and again, four years ago, that was probably at well, zero to 25%. Whereas now I feel that's, you know, typically um, it would be about 50% of the room, you know, 30 to 50%. So there's so much more work we need to do in educating um, potential users to feel comfortable with how to get the value out of an efficient market. Um, yeah, and anyway, that's the challenge in front of us. That's what motivates us. Uh, like I say, we're a pretty, pretty great team within Clear Grain Exchange. We all enjoy the task at hand and and um, we all have fun trying to do it together. Um, but I wouldn't say it, you know, nothing comes easy um, and that's that's life, you know. So um, as long as you're enjoying the challenge, then we're sort of up for it. Well, that's probably a good ending point. Uh, and, uh, look, it's been interesting because look, we, are, we are interested in markets of, of all types. And, and it's interesting to to see like look and you're right it's, it's 10 10 odd years old clear 
and uh, but it's interesting to see what you've done with it since what 2016-17 and look, wish you all the best for the future and and thanks for coming on I know you were I know you're a bit nervous you vomited a few <laughs> times uh, before coming on uh, but we're not we're not that bad uh, our reputation isn't as bad as what we actually like uh, but now again thanks for thanks for coming on and we'll leave it there and uh, the usual applies uh, share the podcast with your friends and family uh, if you're in hungary you know keep listening if you're in qatar keep listening because we want to get back into that qatari uh, top 10 list uh, but yeah thanks very much and uh, i appreciate the opportunity guys and keep up the good work i think um you know it's great to have a, a podcast like this out there you know and we're going to need more talent in the in the ag space so and i think this podcast is another avenue to to get people aware of what's going on and all the innovative ideas that are going on so keep up the good work guys well, well all we all we want to get is as many different voices as possible on there you go thanks for even even <laughs> Watch's mother thanks for the uh support and the kind words nathan thanks for coming on it's been great um you know hearing thoughts on 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 you know not just clear grain but the markets and and the growth of these platforms in general Thanks, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, see you when you got nothing on. Ciao for now.